We're going to review because it just dawned on me this morning that some of you were not here last week. It's a good thing I remembered that. All right, so we're going to do a little bit of reviewing for the um, Enneagram. Then we're going to have a text of John 5. And then with this text, we're going to talk about the four criteria for transformation. And the first one is to own our brokenness. And the second one is to not make it your identity. The third one is you will encounter resistance if you ever decide to enter the path of uh, transformation. And the fourth one is you have to participate in your own healing. Participate in your own healing. And then I'm going to end with a Christmas story. I know. We still, we still are around Christmas, so you have to. It's a great Christmas story. And um, it is, uh, let me see, it's by Dietrich Kohler. All right, so that's where we're going to go this morning. Uh, the Enneagram is our personality, is a filter we use to understand ourselves and the world around us, to express ourselves, to defend ourselves, and to relate to other people. And understanding the personality types helps us to understand that we don't all think alike, understand that people have different motivations, values, and priorities, communicate more effectively, treat ourselves and others with more compassion and tolerance. So this is the symbol. It's nine personality types. Um, Inia is nine in Greek, and Graham is model in Greek. Uh, The numbers... Each represent types of personality, and we will get into that this morning. Uh, the Enneagram is a bona fide personality typography. Okay, it's been around for about 50 years. Uh, the, each state in the union will give you continuing education units if you attend Enneagram workshops. So the states, the governments recognize the Enneagram as a bona fide personality typography. Um, Stanford University has had uh, Enneagram workshops, and so it is not uh, a fringe, weird, spiritual thing. It is a bona fide personality typography. We just happen to be, I'm going to be teaching this on Wednesdays. We had our first class last Wednesday on Type 2, and we will have the next one on Type 3 this Wednesday. And so we wanted you to know what we are doing and why we are doing it. And if you were here last week, you will remember that I gave um, the analogy of um, little movable forests, LMFs, and I picture us as being in the center of little movable forests, and we can't see each other for the trees. We cannot see the forest for the trees. Uh, We bump up against each other, and we bump these little movable forests, bump up against each other, and we think, what was that? And I don't know how you experience me, and I don't know how you are living your life. And so, things like the Enneagram help us see well so that we can love well. All right, so we want to see well so we can love well. This is the whole point. All right, our text for today, John 5. After this, there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now there is in Jerusalem by the Sheep Gate a pool, which in Hebrew is called Bethesda. It has five porches. 
In these lay a great multitude of sick people, blind, lame, paralyzed. They are waiting for the moving of the water. For an angel came down at a certain time into the pool and stirred up the water. And whomever stepped in first after the stirring of the water was made well of whatever disease he had. Now a certain man was there who had an infirmity for 38 years. And when Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he had already had been in that condition a long time, he said to him, Do you want to be well? And the sick man answered him, Sir, I have no man to put me in the pool when the water is stirred up. But while I am coming, another steps down before me. And Jesus said to him, Rise, take your bed, and walk. And immediately the man was made well, took up his bed, and walked. Now that day was the Sabbath. And the Jews therefore said to him who was cured, It is the Sabbath. It is not lawful for you to carry your bed on the Sabbath. And he answered them, Well, he who made me well said, Take up your bed and walk. And then they asked him, Well, who is it that said to you, Take up your bed and walk? And the one who was healed did not know who it was, for Jesus had withdrawn the multitude being in that place. Afterwards, Jesus found him in the temple and said to him, See, you have been made well. Sin no more, lest a worse thing come upon you. The man departed and told the Jews that it was Jesus who had made him well. So now we know what a supernatural healing looks like. Can we extract from this what a natural healing looks like? And I would suggest to you four criteria for a natural healing. Criteria one, being willing to own our own brokenness. Criteria two, being willing to give up our identity as a broken person. Criteria three, being willing to encounter resistance along the path of transformation. And number four, being willing to participate in our healing Criteria one, being willing to own our own brokenness. <clears throat> In order to know what healing looks like, we have to know what our ailments are. What form does our brokenness take? Natural healing looks like learning the ways in which we are broken. What are the unconscious ways that we protect ourselves what are the lies that we are believing and act on? Now, the Enneagram, again, is a great tool for helping us in these areas. Do we overuse our head? Do we overuse our heart? Do we overuse our power? What motivates us? Does a need for affection and attention motivate us? Does a need for power motivate us? Does need for safety and security motivate us? Once we can locate ourselves on this circle, we can begin to recognize patterns, patterns for growth and patterns for stagnation. So if God is in the middle of this circle and we are all moving towards God, we need to know where we are on that circle 
so that we can know whether we need to move north or south or east or west. After all, the person who needs to move east will not look like the people who have to move west in order to find God. So each place on this circle symbolizes a different form of brokenness. So natural healing begins with knowing where we are and owning it. We will take a position of curiosity and compassion, just like God. Jesus was curious. He asks, do you want to be healed? He asked a question. He was curious. He was compassionate. He, he healed the gentleman. And he invites us to be like him. He invites us to be curious, and he invites us to be compassionate. He invites us to ask questions. Ask the question of, who am I? Ask the question, do I want to be healed? Ask the question, where am I broken? Ask the question, what form does my brokenness take? Be like Jesus, be curious. Be like Jesus, be compassionate. After you learn where your brokenness is, be compassionate. Criteria two, be willing to give up your identity as a broken person. Now, initially in this story, we have a man whose identity is deep into his brokenness. He can't even speak out loud. He can't even admit to wanting to be different. When asked a direct and obvious question, do you want to be healed? He cannot say yes. Now, his physical posture says, I want to be healed. He's, his physical position says, I want to be different. But his answer makes you wonder. Apparently, his interior world is saying something different than his exterior world. His interior world on some level is saying, I don't know, if I was healed, I might have to take on another identity. I don't know. If I was healed, I might have to work. I don't know. If I was healed, I might have to relate to God differently. I might have to relate to others differently. I might have to relate to myself differently. His answer just makes you wonder. His answer is not yes. His answer is, it's not my fault, something we hear a lot today. But that's not what Jesus asked. Jesus didn't ask, why are you here? He didn't ask, why are you broken? He didn't ask, why are you not healed? even though that's the question the gentleman answered. Likewise, God does not ask you, why are you where you are? He does not ask you, why are you so broken? He does not ask you, why are you still broken? For instance, the type ones. He does not ask you, why do you fear that you are evil and corrupt? And the type twos, he does not ask, why do you fear that you are unwanted and unloved? And the type threes, why do you fear that you are worthless 
and without value. And the type fours, why do you fear that you do not have an identity or any personal significance? Or the type fives, why do you fear that you are helpless and incapable and incompetent? And the type sixes, why do you fear that you are without support and guidance? Or the type sevens, why do you fear that you are trapped in pain and deprivation? Or the type eights, why do you fear that you are harmed and controlled by others? Or the type nines, why do you fear that you will suffer loss of connection with others? So God does not ask you, why do you fear the things you fear? Or even why you fear, period. He did, he did not shame this gentleman for being where he was. Nor does he shame us for being where we are. Nor does he invite us to shame ourselves. He knows that you are where you are for some very good reasons. And most of those started about a hundred years ago before you were born. But he does ask you this. Do you want to be healed? And he continues to ask us that today. Type 1s. Do you want to be healed of your hypersensitivity? Type 2s. Do you want to be healed of your pride and flattery? Type 3s. Do you want to be healed of your vanity? Type 4s. Do you want to be healed of your depression? Type 5s. Do you want to be healed of your emotional stinginess? Type 6s. Do you want to be healed of your cowardice? Type 7s. Do you want to be healed of your scheming? Type 8. Do you want to be healed of your revenge? Type 9s. Do you want to be healed of your lethargy? So now this crippled man's words were worrisome. But when it came time to make a decision on whether to walk or not, he walked. He chose to to give up his identity as a crippled person. So again, we need to ask, do you want to be healed? Do you want to be healed? Now one embarks on the spiritual journey to wholeness by being willing to leave their 38 years of being a certain way, 38 years of being paralyzed. So maybe you are paralyzed by fear. Or maybe you're paralyzed by bad memories. Or maybe you're paralyzed by dysfunction. Or maybe you're paralyzed by bad experiences. Or maybe you're paralyzed by bad decisions. Are you willing to dream of being a different person? Are you willing to imagine that who you are and what you have experienced up till now is not the sum total of who you are or who you are going to be or who you can be? So in order to be healed, can you give up your identity of being fill-in-the-blank? Criteria 3. Being willing to encounter resistance. Verse 10. The Jews therefore said to him who was cured, It is the Sabbath. It's not lawful for you to carry your bed. This gentleman encountered resistance. 
Whenever we move from and out of our old patterns of being and doing life, your ego is going to howl. H-O-W-L. There is no other word for it. The ego will howl. How dare you think that you can have a good life? How dare you think that you can be happy? How dare you think that life is good, period, but especially for you? Who do you think you are living a life without shame? Don't you know you're a shameful person? Who do you think you are? What? No fear? Are you crazy? Don't you know responsible people are always afraid? Don't you know if you're not worrying, then you're not responsible? Don't you know that the fact that you choose to stop worrying just proves you don't care? Relax. Are you kidding? You're not allowed to relax. Don't you know the whole world will collapse if you choose to relax? What? Embrace hardship? Are you crazy? Don't you know that you're going to die if you embrace hardship? This is what you call resistance. Eventually you can train your ego differently, but it takes a while. And in the meantime, your ego is going to howl. And the egos of the people around you are going to howl as well. Some subtly and some not so subtly. The rulers of the people howled. You're not doing it our way, and our way is right. They howled. In fact, they howled so much that it resulted in the death of Jesus. Criteria four. Being willing to be a part of your healing. Jesus said, sin no more, lest a worse thing come upon you. When you are willing to be a part of your own healing, you will start down a path of being willing to be aware. Of being willing to be non-judgmental about yourself. Because as soon as you're willing to be aware, you have to let in the good and the bad. And you will not be able to endure the bad if you are not able to receive the bad in a non-judgmental way. You have to be willing to have compassion on yourself. You have to be willing to think different thoughts. You have to be willing to discard lies, no matter how much you want them to believe, no matter how much you want to believe them. You have to be willing to do a meditation of sorts. You have to be willing to do centering prayer. You have to be willing to train your mind that it is not the center of the universe and that it is not a lie detector. It does not give you truth and it does not have your best interest in mind. You have to be a part. You have to be willing to be a part of your own healing. When we are willing to do these things, we are taking responsibility for walking in the light. We are being willing to endure discomfort for the sake of aligning ourselves with truth. So now I'm going to end with a story by Dietrich Kohler. 
So you get to shift now. That was with your left side of your brain, the information. Now we're going to go to the right side of the brain, the story. When Jesus came into the world, the news also reached the nine great sins of humanity that the Redeemer had been born. The rumor threw them in a tizzy. It awakened longings in them and fear as well. A Redeemer. He might terminate us. He might put us out of business. Should we flee? But where? Should they go see the child? Type 1 anger came forward and said, Well, after all, it finally occurred to the good Lord to do something. Look at this worst of all conceivable worlds. Why didn't he just make it and them better? But I bet this Jesus won't change anything. Type 2 pride said, I don't need any redeemer. I've always known how to help myself. Besides, they could have sent me a personal invitation. I would have had a few good suggestions for him. He'll need them. Then type 3 falsehood came forward, the self-proclaimed successful one. A redeemer in a primitive stable? It harumped. But that's condemned to failure in advance. And look how they set it up. Not even a press release. You'd have to market this very differently for heaven's sake. Type 4, Envy turned pale when he heard the rumor. A redeemer for everybody? Turned up its nose. If I went over there, I'd be one of many. Maybe I should bring him an extraordinary present. The others would turn pale. Then type 5, Avarice could be heard in the background. A present, it murmured. They expect a present from me? Nobody ever gives me anything. And then it shrouded itself in silence again. Then type 6, Fear began to speak all a tremble. Oh, if the Lord of heaven comes, it said, that won't suit the lords of the earth. People say the Messiah will do justice. If we went there, we'd put ourselves under suspicion and we'd get mixed up in the whole affair. I'm staying out of this. Then we'll nourish type 7 extravagance, but it in a stable. Oof, that sounds all musty and dismal and depressing. I want to live and to celebrate. Otherwise, you'll never enjoy life. And here type 8 violence boomed. How is a helpless child supposed to change the world? We all know that in order to do that, you need money. You need power. You need tanks. The child needs protection himself. I'll go there and take charge, and I'll smash anyone's face if they try to do anything to the child. And the last one to speak was type 9, sloth. Oh, I don't know. The road is hard. I doubt it's worth the effort anyway. Besides, that the Redeemer will definitely not be interested in me. Let's get comfortable and leave everything just the way it is. So as you can tell, none of them were in any mood to head over to where the child was. But strangely enough, despite their resistance, the nine great sins of humanity got up and set out. Or rather something drew them magnetically to the child. 
And when they got to the stable, the door was barely ajar. From inside, a warm light poured forth into the outdoors. In the stable, it was very quiet. Joseph stood half in the shadows. Mary seemed hardly to take notice of the guests. But the child lay there and smiled and spread his arms out as if to greet the new arrivals. And when he looked at them, all of them, but in a way, each of them thought that his gaze was directed only at them. And they returned his gaze. They had no choice. And it suddenly seemed as if the child was talking to each one of them without opening his mouth, and yet more clearly than words could ever form. The child first looked at type one anger, and he seemed to be saying, you're furious about God and the world, about how sloppy people are, about the arrogance of rulers and the stupidity of the ruled. And above, above all, you're angry about your own defects. Give me your resentment. Break your rage into pieces and put them in the coal bucket so their glow can warm the stable. I'll give you my patience. It saves the world, slowly but surely. Have patience with yourself and forgive your fellows their imperfect condition. Forgiveness is the only thing that changes them. Have trust. The good grows for a long time, even if slowly it grows. So anger sank to its knees and sensed an infinite serenity as never before. Then the child looked at type two, pride, and it felt as if the child were saying, you've made yourself irreplaceable. You've constantly rushed in to help, even when you weren't called. You've chained yourself to other people. And your feelings are hurt when people don't thank you. Give me your crown. Look, I'm simply here. For you, take it as a gift. Now that's real humility. And pride sank to its knees, and its heart suddenly swelled to infinity, and it felt free, really free. Then the look of the child struck type three falsehood. It felt as if it was hearing, you're afraid to miss the mark. You're afraid to fail. With your little tricks, you want to make sure you won't be left standing there like a loser. But to me, you're completely transparent. I also see the part in you that doesn't shine. Give me your fear of failure. And then the falsehood bent down before the child, and it suddenly became quite bright and hopeful in its heart, and it knew that everything would be well. Next, the child turned and looked at type 4, envy, in the eye. And it felt as if the child were saying, you have to be constantly comparing yourself because you doubt yourself. You pity yourself because nobody else seems to be doing it. You're the plaything of your feelings. Give me them. Give me your emotional highs and your emotional lows your longings for home and your longings for faraway places and your longings for that special someone. Accept my uncomplicated beauty. Be simply here. And it became quite still in Envy's heart. 
all the storms were quieted, and quite simply and unpretentiously, it too knelt before the child. At this moment, it seemed to type five avarice as it stood outside the door, as if the child were calling to it as well. It shyly entered the stable, and when the child looked at it, it seemed as if he were saying, your heart never was really warmed. You always had to take care of yourself. You've hoarded possessions and knowledge in order to survive. Let yourself be warmed. Let yourself be touched. And the child stretched out his hand to Avarice, and Avarice kissed it. And then Avarice took a precious ring from her hit's finger and laid it at Mary's feet. And then it felt quite warm about the heart and felt at home for the first time. Now type six, fear in great hesitation came forward. The child also looked at it, but fear didn't dare raise its eyes. And yet it seemed as if the child were saying, You mistrust God and the world and yourself. You fear the authorities. You conform so you won't attract attention. You long for security. Look at me. You can trust me. Don't be afraid of risk. I am with you. And then fear felt a strong, good power in its breast as never before. It did not kneel down. It stood upright and looked the child firmly in the eye and silently swore eternal fidelity to him. And type 7 wastefulness, too, now noticed the child's gaze and heard this voice. Do you see how little I get along with? Do you sense the holy seriousness of this place? Give me your fear of the dark and of suffering and of death. Give me your compulsion to deaden yourself by consuming things and activities. Dare to mourn your pain. I'll give you real joy, which doesn't have to shy away from the dark. Then a ray burst forth from the depths of wastefulness and lit up its face. And at the same time, tears of mourning flowed down its cheek, and both were good. Now, up till now, type 8 violence had remained surprisingly calm, but now it pressed forward. I can't wait any longer. I see your powerfulness, which is absolutely incomprehensible to me. You seem to have more power than I do. I give up. I bring you my incursions, my self-glorification, how the people I have run over and demolished and misused. I'm astonished at your purity. And I want to ask you something that I've never said to anyone before. Forgive me my guilt. I want to serve you. The figure knelt before the child. Then it seemed as if it was totally penetrated by the innocence of the child. And the child didn't have to say anything else. And finally, the child's gaze struck the last of all the sins, type 9, sloth. And it seemed as if the child were saying, look how uncomfortable it is here. And yet I am full of energy. I've decided to live, to dedicate myself to men and women. And I need you, even if you pick up a few scratches along the way. You count, and I count on you. Give me your resignation and your indifference. You think you are the last 
but you're going to be the first. Then Sloth signaled the others, and together they got up and took one another by the hand, and they all looked at the Christ child, and they all looked at one another, and they embraced, wishing each other peace. And all the nine great sins of humanity were redeemed by the gaze and the adoration of God made flesh. So now let's just sit quietly for a while. Let's close your eyes. And let's just stay in the stable with the nine great sins of humanity. And let's listen and see what the Christ child would say to you. Wherever you find yourself on this Enneagram, you have been redeemed. Your great sin has been forgiven. You are accepted in the Beloved. Jesus' life and death was, in addition to many things, a word picture that the sins that will kill us when offered to God will result in life. So receive his gift. Receive the gift of himself. Amen.